Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we're talking D-line plays. The Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 237. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk. We're actually with a couple of guests this week. First up, I've got Eagles defensive line coach and run game coordinator Matt Burke, where not only do we talk about Javon Hargrave and how he fits this Eagles scheme, but we talk about pass rush plans, what it takes to be good at running stunts and twists along the D-line, and a whole lot more. But that's not all we've got today, because I want to roll out a conversation I had with an NFL legend in Willie McGinnis. I caught up with Willie down at the East-West Shrine Bowl a couple of months ago. We talked about D-line play and what it takes to be a successful pass rusher in the NFL, but let's not waste any more time let's get in right, right into it now let's talk with matt burke it's time for chalk talk let's get down to business it's time for chalk talk well really excited to welcome in uh eagles defensive line coach and run game coordinator matt burke matt uh thanks for joining us here to talk uh, some javon hargrave yeah, I appreciate you having me. So let's talk about Javon. I think for fans, you know, we've heard a lot uh, about what he can bring to the table. I'm interested to get uh, from you just kind of your scouting report. What does he bring to the field? What is it that he's going to bring to this Eagles defense here this fall? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we went through the process for free agency uh, with uh, Javon, one of the things we really noticed, you know, obviously playing a little bit in a, in a read type scheme and, and some of those things. Uh, still the ability for him to get off and, and, you know, what we look for in our D line in terms of an attack front and, and guys that can disrupt and, and get penetration. Um, you know, he had, he had a lot of TFLs and pressures and sacks for a guy that wasn't being asked to play that way. And, and for us to project him translating sort of into our style of defense, we thought there was a lot of upside, uh, obviously a kid that's kind of hitting his prime. Um, and he was a guy that a lot of us liked coming out, uh, in the draft, you know, four years ago. So kind of, continued that thread along and followed the career and just I uh, really think he's a great fit. I think he's a, he's a disruptive player. Um, he plays a lot of juice and a lot of energy. And I think, uh, you know, our plan is to have him in our schemes going to just even, uh, you know, enhance his skill set even more. So talk about that. When you say he played in a read scheme with the Steelers, I, what, what exactly does that mean? If you could just break it down for, uh, for our fans. Yeah. I mean, in general, very, very break down, very broken down. Uh, you know, the way we play our front, um, you know, when, when our D line uh, ball snap, we're asking them to penetrate and get up the field and just cause disruption in the backfield and 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 be sort of an aggressive and attacking front. Uh, there's other styles of defense uh, that ask their D line to stay more at the line of scrimmage, occupy blocks. Um, so you hear like a read scheme, like they're reading the play instead of just we like to go attack and get disruption and get up the field. Um, other schemes and, and one that he played in some of the time um, where they just asked those guys really to not get up the field and stay at the line of scrimmage and sort of play blocks and just sort of hold space. Um, you know, so sometimes it's a hard translation trying to see, Hey, can a guy play? Some guys are sort of more fit for those schemes or more fit for our schemes. So, um, you know, you're always, when you're evaluating those players, you're, you know, and they're not playing in a scheme that sort of is a direct fit for what we're doing. 
Um, you know, you're just trying to translate and project how that fits. And, and we felt really good about him coming. You know, we think there's more upside for him. We think he fits sort of our style of play a little bit more possibly. Yeah, and that's what was so interesting to see about him going to Pittsburgh was that, you know, I remember watching him uh, at the East-West Shrine Bowl. He was so dominant down there in practices in St. Petersburg. He was unblockable in one-on-ones. You could see that ability to be disruptive. Senior Bowl the next week, he was more the same, and he was really unblockable in practice. But uh, I was anxious to see what he would look like in Pittsburgh in that scheme, and they did a great job kind of bringing him along. The next question I had for you was, one of the things that has always stood out to me watching him with the Steelers, he's so good in stunts and twists and all the different games that they run with him up front. What does it take for a guy to be so effective running those kinds of schemes up front? Well, I mean, obviously from an athletic standpoint, you know, for a bigger man to be able to move into those things and move his feet that way um, and still have the power to get penetration. A lot of times when you're, you know, running stunts, sometimes you can get too lateral, get washed sideways because you don't have the power to kind of, get back up north, south and penetrate. So, um, you know, he's got that ability to obviously he's got some good quickness, the stuff you were talking about when, you know, you notice coming out of college. Um, he's got the, that foot athlete ability for a big man, um, but he's still a powerful. I mean, he's a really powerful kid. So when he does kind of penetrate and get back up north, south, he can really push the pocket still and and bang into guys. And, and like I said, you know, they do some of that, obviously, when they get to some third down, um, he was kind of cut loose a little bit more and, um, he plays really good leverage, so that that helps. He gets underneath pads of offensive linemen a lot to be able to kind of work underneath them, and just he's he's constantly knocking guys back. Like he was just constantly going forward, like you said, whether he's stunting, whether he's just in a in a one gap scheme. Obviously, when they ask him to do his read technique and to anchor down, I mean, he's got some natural ballast to do that. Um, but he's con- when he's going forward, I just we noticed he was always constantly just like walking linemen back, knocking guys back, getting pressure. So. Um, we just think if we ask him to do that every time, every down and in, in, uh, in our scheme, I think that's going to be a good fit for us. We're excited to have him. Really excited. So I want to ask you a question just about defensive linemen in general, particularly young defensive linemen, whether they're mm-hmm. off the edge or interior guys. Uh, you know, I remember him coming out. He had a his swim move was awesome and he had the ability to kind of win with that. That was kind of his go to trick in his bag. When you look at defensive linemen coming out, is it better for a guy to have one go-to move that was really, really effective for them or maybe multiple moves that weren't as effective, but they had a lot of different tricks in their toolbox? Yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, I think you can get, you know, the whole like jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, I think a lot of you, you'll see a lot of good rushers have one go-to move because a lot of times that sets up the other moves or your counters to that. You know what I mean? If you don't have a move that, you know you can win with every time and you're just throwing a bunch of stuff out there. Sometimes it just gets kind of mushy and and isn't as effective. I find that, you know, guys that, hey, I have a go-to move that I know the offensive lineman has to respect because I can win with this. I've proven it. I, you know, I've go, I've mastered it, whatever it may be. And so um, I, I find that guys that have sort of, you know, one or two pitches that are their go-tos, that sets up their counters now. They don't have to use their counters as much or when they do their counters – are more effective because the threat of that man, this guy can beat me with his swim move or, you know, whatever the, whatever the move is an inside stab move or something that's going to set up all their other counter moves as opposed to just sort of keep throwing different moves out there and, and hoping, you know, that one of them works or not being quite as good at all. It's hard to master a lot of them. I mean, I think you find more, more, more effective rushers will have, one or two pitches that that they consistently go to. And then the change-ups are just that change-ups that just keep offensive linemen honest enough or keep them off balance enough when they're 
you know, when they're just setting on that one move and just setting on that one move when all of a sudden you throw the counter, it keeps them honest and then it keeps your sort of one or two pitches still clean. So um, it's hard for a guy. I mean, it's, it's hard to rush the passer, man. So, you know, I think <laughs> trying to do too much sometimes can get, can get a little bit much. So um, we really try to emphasize like, hey, let's ha- have a have a pitch, throw your fastball, you know, have one or two moves and then you can set your counters up off of that. So that's kind of more what we look for. I wanted to ask you too, um, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about uh, positionless players, right? And guys that can mm-hmm. line up and play a, different, a number of different roles, uh, whether it's in the secondary, up in the front seven, on offense, uh, with receivers and backs and tight ends. What does a positionless guy look like along the defensive line? And what does that mean for a coach like yourself to have a guy that can do that? Uh, yeah, it's probably, I would say, probably the closer you get to the ball, the, the less that applies. Although for us, um, again, a lot of it comes down to being able to rush. So, um, you know, if you have a guy like Fletch who can really rush wherever he wants, um, you know, you can set things up. BG being able to rush inside a little bit. Um, you know, even a guy like Malik that can rush inside and outside a little bit, those sort of things. That To me, that's where it comes into play in terms of our rush package. Guys that can rush from different spots and have some sort of inside, outside. Because now, again, it's sort of like we were just talking about, you know, you're prepping for an opponent and you're, you know, you can throw different looks at an offensive lineman. So a guard is, you know, blocking Fletch and blocking Fletch and all of a sudden BG's in there. That's a totally different type of rush, a different type of block. And you can kind of play those matchup games a little bit and move guys around. Um, You know, that's probably where it comes into play a little bit more. So guys that can either, you know, there's some guys you see that are sort of, um, you know, I don't want to say base ends or can like bigger guys that can play defensive end in terms of run situation first second down they can move inside and rush there's some ends that can rush inside and you can get matchups on guards there's some i mean rare tackles like fletch and malik the guys that, that are athletic enough that can rush on the edge too so um the first tool we look for there is really like that sort of thing is can we move guys around in our rush package to create different matchups rush different guys just give different again different pitches so now you know, we don't need Fletch running, you know, having six different rushes on a guard. Fletch can have a couple different rushes. Then we can put BG in there. Then we can move Malik over to that side, you know, or or Hargrave or whoever. So, um, you know, the versatility, I think, comes from that, being able to play some different spots along the line. That's what we'll look for with those guys. And I guess, too, it's the, the mental side of it, too, for those guys, right? Because they have to have different uh, plans of attack against a guard or a center as opposed to uh, an offensive tackle where they might have a little bit more space. Sure, sure, absolutely. So again, it's, it's partly athletic. It's partly like, yeah, the mental approach to it. But again, that the offensive lines get the same issue. You know what I mean? So now, like, hey, I'm I'm an offensive tackle. Like, I'm gonna block Derek Barnett differently than I'm gonna block all of a sudden flesh lines up on the edge on me or whoever that may be. So kind of goes both ways. And again, you don't wanna you don't wanna put your guys in a spot where it's too much or they're not being effective. It's the whole point is is week to week. You look at it and say, okay. You know, where, where is our most effective rushers or who can we isolate or how can we get this matchup? And, um, but the guys that give you that ability to move them around the line to, to do that, you know, there's some, some guys that, that can't rush from one side or like literally some guys can only be a left end or only a right end. They just, their stances are weird. They don't rush as good from one side or another. So um, sometimes that kind of limits you a little bit and say, okay, well, he has to be over here and you can't really do as much with him, but the guys that you can kind of bounce around the line and, and have them line up in different spots, give you some flexibility there. 
And lastly, Coach, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Hassan Ridgeway. You know, Javon Hargrave uh, was the first big acquisition for the Eagles this yeah. offseason. Uh, the first re-signing was Ridgeway. And I'd like to just ask you, uh, what did you see from Ridgeway his first year in Eagles Green? What's the scouting report that you can give fans? They saw a little bit limited exposure. You've obviously seen a lot more of Hassan. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately not not too much more, um, you know, from, yeah. from him getting injured last year. Um, you know, it was funny, even going back through the cutups, sometimes you get lost. I mean, it got hurt early in the year. So the second half of the year, you know, things kind of get out of your head. You're you're obviously in the in the day-to-day. Um, going back through these cutups this offseason, you know, he, his flashes were really good. He's a powerful man. He's a he's a bigger body than some of the guys we've we've had in there. Um, really powerful when he get again, he was a guy coming to the system, like talked about with Hargrave a little bit. Um, you know, last year's first year here. Um you know, hadn't totally played a, a full attack style like we had. So there was a little bit of a transition for him. So, um, you know, for us feeling like, okay, a second year sort of in this scheme with him, he was, again, there were, there were flashes on film last year, him really doing some good things and really penetrating and knocking guys off. He's a bigger guy. So if, if you can get a guy of his size that can generate that force, that can play the attack style we want to play, um, you know, that's obviously a huge plus for us. So we, we saw a lot of progress. We saw a lot of flashes going back, watching the cutups after the season. Um, he kind of kept popping up going, man, Rich did some really good things. And, and hopefully there's a, another year of growth and another year of comfort playing the scheme and playing the system. We think there's uh there's some good upside for Rich there. So we, we're excited to get him back to there's another, another good uh, player in the fold for us. Under the circumstances, you joining us here uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I appreciate the social interaction, man. Awesome stuff there from Coach Burke. I hope you guys enjoyed that talk with him as much as I did. The stuff he gave us about developing a pass rush plan as a young defensive lineman was awesome. Uh, it was great talking to him about Javon Hargrave and just kind of see how he'll fit in this Eagles defense this fall. But let's get to the next part of Chalk Talk. This week, the great Willie McGinnis joined us from down at the Shrine Bowl to keep the discussion going about what it takes to be a standout pass rusher in the NFL. Well, really happy to welcome in to Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, uh, NFL legend, Willie McGinnis. Willie, uh, welcome to the show. We're doing this from the dugout of the, the Tampa Bay uh, Devil Rays here at the Trop for the East-West Shrine Bowl. Talk about uh, the role that you're playing down here, working with these kids as they're getting ready to go through the draft process. Well, actually, I, I played in the game, East-West Shrine game, yep. when it was up north. and played at Stanford Stadium. Okay. And, um, you know, playing in the league, I'm in the Legends program, of course, with a lot of other NFL guys that I played. And, um, you know, I, I came last year, and I thought it was a great opportunity to come back and work with the kids. And, and they kind of give us a coaching role, put us in our position group, and we go out, we interact with the kids, teach them some technique, and just try to, you know, be a part of it because these kids are taking a huge step, what to expect on the next level, um, certain things to look for. And, you know, this is an all-star game, so you also sure. want to have fun. But it's great to have guys that played especially your position that can, you know, kind of coach you up and uh, give you some insight. Well, you are certainly coaching these guys up. I mean, I've seen uh, alumni work with uh, players, whether it's at this game or other games. And, you know, some some guys a little bit more passive. You are very active and <laughs> in, into it with these guys. Um, you know, do they kind of react to that as opposed to uh, other styles? Have you found that that's worked for you? Well, I'm just me. Yeah, you no know? And I, <laughs> I know everybody. Question. I know everybody, you know, is a little bit different. But, yep. you know, I'm around the youth football circuit. I'm around high school. I'm around college players. And I work for the NFL. So mm. I'm on it, you know, from the grassroots all the way up. And, you know, sometimes these kids respect it when they know a guy can do it. You can yeah. go out here and show them. 
and you could tell them how to do it, but you could also show them. And just being able to connect, speak their language, yep. you know, give give them that energy. Sure. You know, and 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 the communication to me is the is the is is the part is the key that brings it all together. These guys are exceptional athletes, but if they see somebody connecting, talking to them on their level mm. and trying to break the game down and trying to inspire and help them, I think it, it makes a difference. I want to talk about uh, pass rushers and just kind of building one from the ground up. What is one of the most important things for a, a pass rusher to be successful in the NFL that maybe a lot of fans and media don't necessarily talk about, but there's something that's really, really important to that position? Edge rusher? Yeah. Um, I think you see a lot of speed edge rushers. Yep. You know, and Of course, getting off the football is, is, is key, but I think you got to have – um, multiple moves. Mm. I mean, you see a lot of one-trick ponies, the guys that can just speed and dip off the edge. Yep. And a lot of times, you know, if you're playing in the NFL, they figure it out pretty soon what you can do and what you can't do. So I think, you know, we're, we were talking about a pass rusher, um, and I was saying, like, we was talking about Miles Garrett, a yep. guy like that that's so dominant, strong for his size. He's so explosive. He has great lean. But, you know, I work with him a little bit. I, He's one of those guys I would love to just spend more time with sure. because I can teach him a spin move. I can teach him a pole arm. I can teach him, you know, the speed, the power. I can teach him like a, a short spin, mm. you know, after getting the, the lineman off balance and how to work different moves. In pass rushing, you got to set up yeah. moves, and it takes reps. But you got to understand what the offensive lineman, what his weaknesses are, what he's trying to do to you, and you got to have counter moves off of that yep. to keep them off balance. If you, you're doing one thing, you're not going to have a lot of success. For young guys, is it better, you know, watching college pass rushers, there are some guys that have like a really deep toolbox, but yep. maybe they don't, they're not, none of those moves are really well developed yet. There are other guys that they've got one move that is really good and they've got a couple counters off that. Is it more important for them to like kind of have a lot of variety or really just kind of hone in, give me one really good one and a counter off of that and that's a good base to build? I would say have a couple. Gotcha. I would say have a couple. If you have one and that's great, yeah. that can get you so far. But like yep. I said, at, at some point, um, they pay these left tackles and right tackles a lot of money to yeah. figure that out. And you got to have a counter move. You got to have a couple moves. Um, and as you grow and develop, you should develop, you know, more moves in your arsenal. Yep. You know, you got to become smarter as the game goes on. Yeah, I was coming down here just thinking about some guys that have been here before. Like Zadarius Smith was a guy oh, that yeah. I remember watching him at Kentucky, and he just hadn't figured it out yet as a pass rusher. And now you watch him now, and you talk about different ways to win. He's winning a lot of ways. <laughs> You see him in a playoff game. He's yeah. got his shirt on. It says snub. Um, you know, in that game, they you know they can move him over the guard. They yep. move him. You know, he's an outside guy. They can do a lot of different things. But you know, you see him speed the power. He has that ability to do that. He's swimming. He's sitting the you know sitting the tackles and guards down. Mm. You know, swimming over. He's he's double moving like all those different things, man. When you when you're fast and you're explosive, they have to respect it. Right. And then you can use it to your advantage. What's the most important athletic trait? For a pass rusher, oh, I would say probably balance and leverage. Okay, you what's know? that look like on film? Well, you're low, you're mm. lean, um, you're not high. When you're high, you open up the target. Mm. You know yep. the target gauge for the offensive tackle. Um, being able to to twist, you know, twerk your body to, so you can you know attack half a man, things like that. You know, um, I always tell pass rushers that it's our job to create the space, keep the space between us right. yep. and, and, and the tackles because they want to eliminate space. They want to grab us. They want to pull us in. And our job is to get to the ball and the quarterback. Right. So you got to be good in space with your hands. I think the hands, if there's one thing I would say that's a lost art with pass rushing, 
um, it's the ability uh, for these guys to use their hands. Aaron Donald is one of the yeah, best sure. at using his hands. I mean, he's lethal with his hands. And if you can keep guys off of you and work your hands really well and create that space yep. and create movement by getting off, then you've got a shot. Yeah, I've heard from coaches in the past, Offensive line is man on man, defensive line man off man, and you're just right. doing everything to try and maintain that space. We want the space. ball. That's right. Yeah, we're trying to get to the ball. You talk about guys that are active with their hands, and one guy I just feel is just so underrated right now, and he's the production has just flown under the radar is Chandler Jones, and like how active. I don't know is. why, man. <laughs> I, I don't know why people keep saying he's underrated. This guy's all pro. I know he's ridiculous. Yeah, 19 sacks this year. He had a half a sack away from what Shaquille Barrett had 19 and a half. Yep. He had 19 sacks. He has consistently had double-digit sacks for yeah. I don't know how long. Um, now, here's a guy that I spoke to, you know, in his early, earlier years. Sure. He's long. He has yeah. long arms. And a lot of times these pass rushers who have long arms, Daniel Hunter is another guy right, I talked yep. to, use that length. Hmm. Like, you can use that pole arm to set up moves, to work moves, to pop these tackles. And they're like puppets. I call yeah. them puppets. When you give them something, they shoot their hands. Yep. Then that's when you start working and going to work. Yep. And um, Chandler Jones, man, he's a good dude. He's solid. He's so consistent. He uses his leverage really well. Even mm. when he speeds the power, he doesn't make any contact with his head. It's always hands first. He shoots his hands really well. And uh, I'm a big fan, and I don't know why he doesn't get his props. I have. I think it's because like you know, a lot of attention goes to you know guys like Von Miller and you know some of these other guys that were that were high high draft picks. And he was a first round pick too. Like I, I get it, it's, but it's all about production. It's crazy. You know, and Von's yep. one of the top. You you know, I'm not comparing those two, sure. but, you know, here's a guy in the NFC that probably should have made the Pro Bowl, you know, 19 sacks. Yeah. And Zedarius didn't make the Pro Bowl either. Right. right? Like with what he was doing, which is and it, and, and, and let me just set the record on this. It's not always about getting the sack. It's, mm. it, it's affecting the pocket. Yep. So if I hit you and I cause you to get rid of the ball early and, and you throw a short hop or overthrow or you can't get the ball out, you got to throw it away, that's just as effective as a sack. Yeah. So a lot of times the hits on the quarterbacks or just getting that pressure um, doesn't show up, you know, in, in, in the stat book. Yeah. But it, it says a lot when you watch the tape. Well, I'm glad you brought up Danell Hunter because he was that guy coming out of LSU as a junior. Mm -hmm. he, I think he only had like single-digit sacks yes. coming out. A lot of people said, oh, he's, he's not a pass rusher, not a pass rusher. But you saw him use that length and, you know, be able to kind of maximize that. Uh, and he's turned that into success playing for Mike Zimmer. Yeah, Mike Zimmer will put you in position right. and he'll give you the tools to go out and perform at a high level. Then they call him Gumby. Yeah, now, right. That, that's a guy, man. He <laughs> talk about reach and, and, and arm length. I mean, he he's, he figured it out. Yeah. You know, talking to him, he figured it out, man. And he's using it now. And he doesn't let guys get close to him. He doesn't ever get. You rarely see him now get wrapped mm. up yep. with guys. Are, are there a guy if there if a guy does not have that length? If there's I don't know what the number would be. If it's 32 inch, 32 and a half inch. If he doesn't have that length, is that something that would kind of give you pause for a guy making that transition to the NFL? No, nah, there's other guys. I mean, look at Shaquille Barrett. Sure. You know, he yep. doesn't. He's not as long as those guys, but he's an effective pass rusher. You know, and you got to be able, like I said, to use your hands and be explosive. So, you know, you got like Khalil Mack. Mm. You know, he's he, he's a bowling ball. He's mm. strong. He's physical. He's big. Um, he's more of an explosive power type guy. Yeah. Like slap rips, you know. Um, he may pop you with the arm, but then he's he's getting off like the jerk moves. Like he can get off and rip. All those different things. Like Khalil Mack is different than those right. other guys. But right. just as effective. Is there one particular thing that typically comes up with these young guys that is pretty consistent across the board? Like, all right, I know that this guy has to work here in this area. Well, a lot of young guys that are edge rushers, you know, a lot of times they think they can run around everybody. Right, yep. 
you know, so they got to understand a lot of times they end up behind a quarterback, mm-hmm. and which is the worst place, you know, in the league. So I think with them, you know, and talking to some of the guys out here, it's just saying, hey, you already, you know, you, if you speed, you speed rushed him a couple of times, now he's kicking. So if he's kicking, he's giving up the inside. So now you got to threaten the inside. Mm. Then you got to make him sit down. Now he's thinking. Yep. All right. Now he's light on his feet because he's thinking. So now you may want to throw a speed to power in there, yep. or a jerk, or something else. Whatever the case may be, you know. But you gotta you gotta use that. And these kids sometimes they get so honed in and just trying to get to the quarterback, they forget and stop reading the tackle and reading what the tackle is giving or right. the guard if you're inside what what they're giving you. Mm. You know. Um, I had one guy yesterday to tackle kick set way out, and he still tried to get outside. I'm like, what are you? I, I saw you. I saw you coaching him up on yeah, this. Yeah, take the inside. If yep. he's giving it to you, go right now. Don't yep. waste no time. Right. Like yeah. the quickest path to the quarterback is is a straight line. Like right there, go get him. Yeah, and you, you were know. coaching a guy up. I, I forget if it was the same player or not, but uh, on that spin move, you know, being able to counter yeah. now going back that inside. That was the interior line. The, the kid from Utah. Okay. And he was spinning before he got. Yeah. You know, to the actual, right. you know, to the to the to the guard. The guard was just waiting on him. Yep. I'm like, you got to threaten an edge or a side to get him to move. Yep. Once he moves and moves over, then you can, you know, you can come with that 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 counter. Sure. Yeah. I think for Eagles fans, they've seen Derek Barnett kind of get better and better. I like him uh, man. with that. What do you like about Derek? I like that he's power. I mean, he's a powerful guy. He, he does a great job with leverage. Mm. He comes off the football. He plays the run. He plays the yeah. point really well. But um, he's had strong hands, yep. you know, really strong hands. So he breaks down, you know, hands of the of the tackles and different things like that. But uh, I've been watching him since he came out. I actually picked him to be one of the top pass rushers, you know, in this league in a few years. Sure, yeah. And I think when you look at the guys with that spin move, a lot of times it's very static. They're not gaining any ground. Nah. They're not. You mentioned they're not threatening the edge. Uh, you know, some of these guys trying to learn that, and you've seen it. That's what's been fun about watching Derek, is even though he was a top 15 pick, I think fans were expecting, all right, he's going to come in right now and be a double-digit sack guy. And he rotated. Yeah, I mean, no he question. didn't even start the first year, right. and that's okay. Yep. But, you know, he is one of those guys, and he's one of those guys that used a lot of moves and yep. can do a lot of different things. Um, and it helps to have other good pass rushers sure. alongside you. No question. Well, uh, Willie, really appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye the Sky podcast. Best of luck the rest of this week, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Great stuff there from Willie. You could follow him just like I do on Twitter at Willie McGinnis. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the other way is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, and even leave us a comment. Here's one person I wanted to give a quick shout-out to. Uh, Holla2MLow left a five-star review saying, hi, Fran, love the strategic discussion and material you provide on each podcast. As a person with mostly an analytics background, I view the linebacker position as somewhat diminished in the pass-heavy league that we have now, but Jatavis Brown seems to be a solid potential contributor with an average of 3.5 pass breakups and three tackles for loss per season, as well as some pass rush potential in a limited sample size. Do you see him playing a three-down role, or will there be multiple safety packages on nickel and dime with Will Parks now? What is your scouting view point on Parks and Brown via tape. Thanks for your great work, Matt. Well, Matt, this is a great question, and I think it really kind of speaks to uh, where we're at in the NFL today, and that's, you know, we, I've talked a lot about it over the course of the last couple of months, and there's a big reason for that, um, but positionless football. You know, you talk about uh, you know the bigger safeties that can come downhill and play close to the line of scrimmage or smaller linebackers. 
all those guys kind of do the same things, right? So whether it's Jatavis Brown or whether it's Will Parks or whether it's a player that's you know not here yet or a player that's here that is going to develop and grow into that role, all those guys kind of do similar things. But it comes down to who do you feel most comfortable with out on the field, and that's why uh, you know the the spring, the summer, all of that is just so important for the coaches to try and figure out what packages are most valuable to us, what packages work well for us. We want to get the best eleven on the field, and ideally, you don't want to have to say, "All right, we're going to have nineteen different personnel packages uh, with all these different players shuffling in and out." You'd love the ability to you know to only have to play a certain amount of guys and say, "Okay, this we're ready for whatever the offense is going to throw at us on any given play." If they want to go. You know, two backs and spread us out wide. Great. If they want to go two backs and play us, you know, play us tight and try and run the ball up the middle. Great. We're ready for that as well. And that's where the term positionless football comes into play. You want those guys to be able to do a lot of different things. It just speaks to position versatility. And Jatavis Brown, he was one of those safety line linebacker hybrids back at Akron. I remember studying him, and you saw that athleticism. You saw that range to be able to make plays from sideline to sideline. And the coverage ability. You mentioned the blitzing ability as well. So that versatility is certainly there. And then Will Parks. We've talked a lot about him uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks and what he can bring to this Eagles defense from a versatility standpoint. This is a very tough kid. You go back to Arizona and you watch him there and he did a lot of those same things that he did with the Denver Broncos. And I'm glad you brought this up because next week on the show, I've got Eagles defensive back coach Marquand Manuel and he's going to join us just kind of talk about Will Parks. He's going to talk about Jalen Mills, how those ver- guys those guys and their versatile skill sets fit in with this Eagles defense next year and what that means for that group as a whole. So make sure you tune in next week on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. We'll cover all of that. So thanks so much, Matt. Great question there. Thanks so much for the comment. Thanks for the rating, and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.